Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast here for the recap of Stage 11, Double Montvant 2 Day. Everyone's been waiting for here with Benji as usual. The show is supported by our show partner, LaCole. We thought a break would win. It was a high-quality break that would go up the road, but we also had some good GC action on this final climb. We'll also talk route design as well at the end. 200 k's long, got two Category 4 climbs either side of the intermediate sprint point. So uh, is Matthews and Colbrelli going to get in the break, try and take those 20 points? They didn't for some reason. Uh, they didn't have a great day, I don't think. And then they had the Col de la Lugiere, 9.5 k, 6.5%. Then double volume two. The first ascent is not as hard. 22 k is at 5% longer, shallower gradient, false flat section in the middle. Descent. The descent is really like high speed, draft matters, weight matters, not so technical compared to some of the other ones we've seen this tour so far. 12K, 14K Valley, and then they do it again. They turn around and they go the other side, the Garp Vol 2. Uh, this is the steepest side, 15.8K is at 8.7%, maybe the one you're more familiar with than a descent to the finish in Malosen. So we had a break, Benji. We had a fight for it, uh, like a hard fight again. How do you, this break formation might be missing some of the names I mentioned yesterday. How do you think the parkour design for the first 80K is like affects the composition of these breaks in even though it's a mountain stage well initially you've got a situation where it's flat before the climbs even start and on that section as rulers that get an opportunity to go away ballerini tried for example that's a rider that you won't see climbing devon to at the best but he is very strong on the flattest section at the start and that's what happens there and that's why higita for example can't attack on the flat section before the climb start they have to kind of wait until the road goes uphill because then they can start going for it and it took a while for the road to go uphill we did see uh, a few attacks already beforehand, and I think a four-man group was kind of getting away before the first climb started. That's Dan Martin, Alaphilippe, Perez, and Pierre Rolland. In that four-man group, well, they had the advantage that UAE was sitting at the front of the bunch, and the road was relatively narrow, so they just decided to uh, take the entire road up and make sure that it's very hard for people to move up in the peloton to try and go for the attack. And that's what happened until... The gap was around 50 seconds, and then attacks started to follow. We had a second group forming after that, Vegard Stark-Alangen. We had Bernard, Mollema, Paulit, Murises, Baragli, Durbridge, and Pacher. So Baragli has a teammate for Xandro Murise, most likely. Bernard is a teammate for Mollema, most likely. But Vegard Stark-Alangen is a rider from UAE. So I think what they try to do UAE there is, knowing that he's not the best climber in the team, try and set him in the breakaway, just in case something explodes on the first one too. You got Stakelangen at the front that he can still be of help when we hit mountains where he wouldn't still be there if the race opened up there. So I think it's a satellite rider to try and help him out if something goes wrong along the way. And um, yeah, I still think it's a good move. You would say perhaps don't send your riders in the breakaway if, you're, if you are the leader in the race, but I think this one rider won't, leave, won't really be moving the needle. But that's the one attack. And then the climb started happening. And that's where we saw some 
some stuff happening. We saw a move from Elisande, Perichon, Cosnefois, Van Avermaet, and Van Aert from the peloton. And just at that second, I was like, this is the moment. Van Aert's going to win Van Two stage. It has to happen. So I decided to uh, go to my uh, local bookmaker and, <laughs> well, on the internet. And I looked at it, and the odds were 151 for Wout Van Aert. People still don't realize he was already bridging up. I, I, I don't get it. And I was like, yeah, easy, okay. <laughs> so I decided to go in and that group eventually came closer, but we saw action at the front as well. Alaphilippe and then Martin started going for KOM points. Quintana was part of one very early on in the stage, but was not in this break anymore. But to the point of then Martin and Alaphilippe, they were very attacking at the start of the stage. Like, it's it's a bit too much, it feels like. Well, I think we've seen so far on this Tour de France that the people going for KOM points early and they're going for like a point, five points on these earlier climbs, 10 points maybe for a cat one, got double points on top of Montvon two the second time. That's 40 points. And um, yeah, the people going for those early, they, they they spend a lot, like we saw with Woods, Quintana, Poles early. And then the people who are riding more conservatively, Turns, O'Connor, and the other riders in the break today, Mollema, and Trek and Wafanab, they they seem yeah, they ride conservatively and then fresher for when the action really happens to the stage win later in the stage. And this is with like a hundred Ks plus to go. Al Philippe's attacking, takes the intermediate sprint with a huge effort. I didn't really understand that because like Colbrelli and Matthews weren't there, so it wasn't really necessary to attack like that. Martin was following him and the minute it happened, I said in to you, I think, Benji, I was like, this reminds me of Alaphilippe when he was just trolling in breaks last year, when he was in the break with Col- in Col de la Lowe's maybe with Carapaz and a Movistar rider, and he was like, attack, get caught, not work with them, and then just get dropped. And they're like, what are you doing? And he kept doing it and come back. And he was kind of doing a similar thing, I thought, today, and it would eventually cost him yeah. in the end. But, yeah, the the break, nothing too much happened on the first ascent of Von 2, Benji, except Ineos started taking it up really early. Uh, even on the flatter sections before the first climbs with Thomas, were you were you surprised that they weren't just they weren't just pacing the climbs, Benji? They were also like trying to control the race. So the only explanation for that is stage win, right? Yeah, on one end, yes, but we also need to remind ourselves that earlier in the stage, Grain Thomas was already dropping on the initial parts when the break was starting to form on the first hill. So it feels like if they had to use Thomas today and row. It had to be in the valley or the uh, lesser gradients before the steeper sections of the first fallen two. That's the only place they can use them. And I think that's why they decided to put them at the front because otherwise they're useless the entire rest of the stage. And this way they can at least put some pressure on podium candidates perhaps that might have a harder time with two ascensions of the Vaughn two. And then we're thinking about everybody that is around Carapaz right now. Vingigo, Ron, O'Connor, who is still in second at that point and might still be at the end, but I haven't gotten to that yet. So uh, a lot of action there from Ineos that other people are asking, what are they doing? Why are they doing that? And there were some great stories. They're trying to set up Froome. They're trying to write Gavin to ODL, stuff <laughs> like that. It was all kind of fun to read, but I still kind of don't actually know. I don't know. Like, it, it makes total sense what they did on the final climb on one two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But to but to pace the valleys with Luke Rowe, you're not bringing back the break. It's at like five minutes twenty. They're yeah. making no impression on it, and then have Rowe drop off. And he nearly. I mean, he's still on the course. We're gonna by the time we finish recording, we'll round up the OTL news. But they put Rowe at serious threat of finishing outside the time limit. Yeah. 
for pacing back a break they were never going to bring back and obviously everyone's just getting a free ride in the bunch like UAE etc they're not drop they didn't drop any domestiques on the flat with Roe but anyway Ineos pacing on the first ascent in the break we see the break split up a little bit and we see Trek trying to play the numbers game I thought and so they it splits you got Pacher Roland Elisand Bernard Mollema so the last three I said are Trek riders Bernard and Elisand that go up the road uh, Elisand initially I think they're bridged to by Alaphilippe, Wild Van Aert, Durbridge, maybe a couple of other riders. And then yep. Mollema's behind, and he's basically making Quentin Pacher and Roland pacing back. Yep. And they do so for the whole climb, and eventually Roland's on his own pacing Mollema back, and then they get to about 20 seconds. Roland cracks, Mollema attacks, and bridges across. So we now have a group <laughs> on the descent of Elisand, Durbridge, Murdesser, Wild Van Aert, Alaphilippe, Mollema. Apologies if I'm, if I'm missing anybody. And uh, yeah, we thought Alaphilippe was the favourite in the markets live out of that group. And I was just, I was thinking, nah, like, he was not. That, that's a fact. He was the favourite out of that group. Yeah, in that's the true. That's true. Um, he but was we $3. don't believe that. <laughs> no, we didn't because I think Wild Van Aert has been coming into a bit better form throughout this race, stage one and two, a bit scratchy. Maybe the TT not as good as he would have hoped for. And he basically, they get onto the second ascent of Mont Two. Ineos has been pacing behind. And. He starts pacing and he wants to ride this at a steady pace and people start dropping. Durbridge drops, Murdersa eventually drops. And I think he, we might not have seen it yet. Oh, no, I forget, Benji. Trek tried to play the numbers again with Elisson. Do you think that was the right thing to do, to give him a chance up the road and hope yep. no one chased him? I think yes, because you've got a situation here where you have the numerical advantage and while in our eyes, Fonard was the better climber and was likely going to destroy them, I feel like if you're Molema and Elisson, you have to try something to try and beat Fanad because Molema is the person that can try and follow while you try and use Alessandra to put pressure on Fanard and perhaps overextend themselves early so that Molema can try and hang on and perhaps benefit from that later on, stuff like that. But on the other hand, you might have the opposite side. What if Elisandre does not attack and the tempo is much lower and because of that, Molema can hang on better? Or you think that about Fanad spacing that he started doing just after that to try and catch Elisande again would have still come at a very early moment. Yeah, I think the way Wout well, wanted to ride the climb was slow, was not slow, was steady okay. without any accelerations. And not. I think the, the, the amount of time he put into the, um, uh, maybe Trek, I think the one mistake Trek made was when Wout well, attacks and we see he gets a good gap, Alaphilippe full cracks, he's like swinging around the road, he nearly chops his front wheel on Mullimer's back wheel, he seems to like fully crack. Molma looks okay. Wild bridges to Elison so quickly, and we're like, if these two, he's, he's probably going to he's going to drop Elison in two minutes. He eventually does off the wheel. He just goes on the front, doesn't even pretend because if he goes to finish with Elison, that unlikely scenario happens. Then um, he's fifty fifty, but probably better than fifty fifty for Van Aert to beat him in the sprint. And then he yeah drops Elison and Trek don't drop Elison back. They kind of have Molma and Elison ride. One's at 50 and one's at 110. They just ride the threshold <laughs> 20 seconds in front of each other on the climb chasing Van Aert. But it didn't really make a difference. Van Aert goes clear and everyone's cooked behind. And Ineos, he, they started with a five-minute lead on the second ascent of Vaughn 2, Benji. Ineos only managed to put 40 seconds into him and they were pacing with everybody, with Kwiatkowski. Yeah, forward. and like not even at the start, like the initial part, it stayed the same, 4.30. Yeah. And that kept up until like the moment where we started seeing... A Kwiatkowski takeover and the rider ahead of him. I 
don't even remember who was ahead of Kwiatkowski pacing because I was looking too much at Wout van Aert and raising his Belgian god-likeness. And at that point, I I thought it's starting to go down. And it went down very slowly. Kwiatkowski started hammering it at the front and we saw people in that group dropping. And Ulitsenko was one of the riders that dropped. By the way, Godou dropped the first one too and was not coming back. Uh, stuff like that. Gil Martin was getting into trouble, but who was hanging on? Vingago was hanging on. Karapaz, of course, because otherwise Kwiatkowski would not be pacing. Bogacar was still there. We still had Uran and one other rider, but I don't Mas. remember. Mas. Yes, indeed. Lutschenko was, yeah, he's kind of yo-yo. He's a little bit off the back. Kelderman, you saw slipping places going mm. to the back as well. And we were thinking, well, it's got to be a Carapaz attack, right? Ineos are paced all day. They've invested their whole team. They've ridden with port full gas. O'Connor starts dropping, actually, and O'Connor drops off the pace of Kviet, oh, off the pace of Port early. They're taking him out a second on GC. They're now pacing with Kwiatkowski last, much better in the mounts today. He got his full, like, mean face on his classic Kwiatkowski pull, and he's basically his last pull. It drops Micah. Micah went to the front for, like, a second, then pulled off, and I was like, that's not a great, great sign. Mass drops, and then, yeah, Guido pull, finishes his pull, Benji. 2Ks, 1,500 metres to the top, nothing. Carapaz yeah. doesn't attack. I was like, have Ineos done a Movistar here where they've paced the whole day, paced really hard on the climb, and their team leader's not told them that he doesn't have great legs today because it was, it was kind of weird that he, the Carapaz, he mustn't have felt too good. And we basically got Pagacci going in the front a little bit, yeah, and- Buran going in the front a little bit, and we are like, I was like, what's going to happen now? Yeah, and the factor to that is that we don't only see that. His competitors see that as well, that Karapaz can't make that attack. And we, uh, if I'm in that group, and if I see that Karapaz is not making a move after Kwiatkowski doing all that work, then I know he doesn't have the legs to do it. Like, Thanks. from that point onwards, I know that I can attack this group if I'm a podium candidate, and I can try and gain time on Karapaz, because I think I could potentially drop him. Well... Not me, but if I was somebody in that group with proper uh, cycling apparel from the call, I would be able to... Uh, <laughs> we'll talk about them for the descent. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, the, the, the key, even before then, there was a little bit of a tell when Bilbao came back to the group. He'd been dropped. And then Ineos dropped the pace after Charlie Renard and Bilbao came back to the group. And I was like, uh, Ineos slow pacing now, bluffing because Carapaz doesn't actually feel good. In the end... Jonas Vingago in the white jersey, hard attacks the group. No response from anybody except Tade Pagacha, who gets on his wheel. We get a close-up image of Pagacha's face, and I was like, that is the Jebel Hafid, Adam Yates, Tade Pagacha face. Hotter conditions today, and he was just, yeah, not looking too good, and that was confirmed when he just cracked completely off the wheel of Vingago. And Vingegaard hadn't really attacked him again. He was just kept his pace, which was super high. This is like with 1,500 meters to go. And Pagach is going backwards really fast. He's got Uran and Carapaz relaying behind him. And Jonas goes over the top of Montmartre 2 with a 38 to 40 second lead on Pagacha. My question to you is, Benji, does Pagacha even need to close the Jonas Vingegaard attack? Wouldn't the more conservative option, if he doesn't feel good, to just be sitting on around in Carapaz and say, oh, you, you guys are going to close it and you'll probably make it up on the descent anyway. Hmm. Like, Jonas is not going to make five minutes up <laughs> in 1,500 meters and then on yeah, a, that's a true. fast descent. That's true. That's a very good point. And 
that's one of the factors. I think that indeed Pogacar didn't have to do it because he's far ahead. But on the other hand, I think Pogacar just is greedy when it comes to uh, this kind of stuff. He tried to follow Vingega when he was on his limit. So he overextended himself as well over there. So in the descent, he probably wanted to keep it going and prove to the others that, okay, I'm still like, I'm still the boss here. I'm still the boss here. I, uh, it's not that I can't chase him down. I'll try and show you that I can chase him down. Something like that. But all in all, it would have been clever indeed if he sat in the wheel and said, oh, Udan, Karapaz, you can do it. But yeah, I think it's two uh, pretty uh, pretty much rest days in the, in the next two days, if I recall correctly, when yeah. it comes to the profile. So does it really matter? Like It, it reminded me of Bernal following Yates on, was it Alpa de Mira? Yeah. Stage Yates attacked him, uh, mm-hmm. or what stage he won. And it's like, you didn't really need to. You got Martinez there and then... For the rest of the tour, he let Martinez close the gaps for him. But yeah, Giannis goes to the top, 40-second lead. Wout van Aert's gone over the top with a big lead ahead of him. Got the Trek riders somewhere about 20 seconds ahead of Jonas Winkelgaard. And Wout van Aert's clearly, the minute he crested Vol 2, stage win was like 100% guaranteed if he didn't crash on the descent. And he's heavier than all these guys. No one's catching him on this fast descent. And he's a good tech- descender technically. And the question that literally no one is asking Benji except maybe Denmark. Should Yamba Visma had made Juan Fanat wait up for Jonas Vingegaard? I asked the question on <laughs> you Twitter. You said it's a joke. I, no, no, no. People. The second time I didn't. The second <laughs> time I didn't because you got to keep the situation in your head here. You've got Wout Fanat riding at the front, one minute and ten ahead of Molema and Elisonde. There's ten seconds at a certain point. Ten seconds only between that two-man group and Vingegaard. And behind Vingegaard, there's still 30 seconds at that point. Yeah, 35. If Anad wades there, drops to the Vingegaard, he's got <laughs> 14 kilometers to close 10 seconds on Molema and Lissonde <laughs> with Vingegaard and his wheel. And then he can out-sprint them in the end for <laughs> ultimate god status. <laughs> like, it's very risky. And I know that a team leader will not say to Vanad there, yeah, you gotta wait on the next group because that's gonna that's gonna have mental like effects on the rider that is called back and so forth in that stage. But if it was Solera, I would have done it just for jokes. <laughs> if if you make Wabanat sit up and he doesn't win the stage because something weird happens, <laughs> a the Belgian Belgium. <laughs> Belgium will go crazy. And if I was Wabanat, you'd probably leave. You'd probably like <laughs> you'd be so mad. The the solution, Benji, is clear. Jonas Vingegaard needs to get the kit supplier, Lacole, who support this podcast, have been the show partner for nearly a year, almost over a year now. If he gets the McLaren Project Aero collaboration with Lacole Benji, Jonas, okay, he's going to make, he's probably going to go past Elisonda. It's performance <laughs> tested cycling. He's going to win the stage. So listen, Jonas, I know, you know, maybe just talk to Lacole about getting it in your colors, but. You can, if you still want, Jonas. I mean, you didn't get any bonus money today. You can use the LR TDF twenty discount code because um, you probably you're getting on the podium is going to be a battle with no one on Yamaha Visma helping you to get twenty percent off Lacole kit. Also, our listeners can get that twenty percent off with LR TDF twenty to pick up some Lacole kit during the Tour de France. Benji, I felt so sorry for Jonas. I just touched on it there. He is getting. Maybe not through anyone's fault. And I agree, dropping my phone up back is some sort of PCM. That's like PCM level stuff that you might do. But Jonas is getting no help at all. No one paced on the climb when he felt good for him. Koos is 
what I don't know what's wrong with him, but what is today not supposed to suit him? Like a high mountain stage with two ascensive volunteers, and this supposed to be what what he's good good at? He's got no one pacing him. He's on this descent where he's fifty eight kilos and. He's now having it closed by Carapaz, Uran, and Pagacha, who are now behind him chasing. And you just see the seconds ticking down two seconds off his time to them, four seconds, five seconds. Eventually, he's only 18 seconds ahead, and we've got like seven Ks left. I'm like, he's going to be caught. Is that a what could Yumba Visma have really done differently? Or is this just an inevitable problem of stage design, Benji, where the best climber on the day is going to be disadvantaged a lot solo compared to a group chasing behind? Well, it kind of depends. If you're a very good descender here, you're going to stay ahead. Like, you're not going to lose time. Van didn't lose time towards... Yeah, but he's heavy. I mean, he's... Well, I mean, you know, he's 75 okay. kilos. That's true. But, <laughs> good point. <laughs> like, I think that Jumbo can't really do things here in that situation because you can't have people ahead at that point to yeah, draw exactly. back unless it's the first rider in the race. And that would be Van Aert in this situation. So in this situation, they probably can't help. They can help more in the stages, though. I don't think we'll see Van Aert likely doing this again on a mountain stage. But I might suggest that he might win tomorrow in a sprint just for, for shits and giggles. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think that they should have support for him. They had Cousin Turnison sitting around him in the peloton, protecting him in the peloton, getting bottles towards him. That's the basic support. Like... I don't know if they're capable of doing more at the moment with the riders they have. They fall in every single stage, which is not like, I'm not throwing shade at them. I'm just saying like, they've had very bad luck and some bike handling issues throughout the entire Tour de France so far. And as a consequence, they're not as good as expected. Sepp Kuzdal, he uh, stayed at the training camp longer before the tour. I think a week, but I'm not sure about it. I read this somewhere. And uh, I would guess that the point there is you're, you're trying to make sure he is speaking later in the tour, but the problem is that we're now getting to the year. point that is later in the tour. So <laughs> yeah, this should exactly. be where he's getting better. And at the moment, I don't see it yet. So I hope that it still kicks in in the last week, but so far it's not looking great for Gus, but I think Egon might need him definitely on the uh, Luzardi then and all that kind definitely of stuff. Definitely needs him. Yeah. Jonas was the best climber out of the GC group today and, and say that's not say that trend doesn't continue in respect of Pagacha. Yep. Exclude Pagacha. I think Jonas, you could say he's he's looking better than Carapaz right now. Looking better than I'd say he's better climber than Uran normally and definitely better than Luchenko and Kel, and Kelderman. You're gonna need a guy to pace to put those guys under pressure. And Kus last year would have been able to put those guys probably off the back of the group. And then, yeah, Jonas can almost keep pacing. So he's definitely going to need him later in the tour. Maybe Wout van Aert as well, Benji. He's got to, yeah, we'll get, get to the stage results. Wout van Aert predictably didn't get called back because Jumbo Visma uh, aren't lunatics like me. And so they let him go solo for the stage win. On Mont Ventoux, the man who won a sprint stage at the start of Terreno, wins on the double Mont Ventoux day, albeit it is a descent finish. One minute and 14 ahead of Elisande and Molima, second and third, both on trek. Then Pagacha, Uran, and Carapaz catch Jonas Vingegaard. They finish in a group of four, a minute 38 back, and they put 18 seconds into Lushenko and Kelderman. Mast, the big GC loser today, he lost a minute and 26 seconds, 24 seconds on the Pagacha, Uran, Carapaz, Vingegaard group. So he's, a, he's badly behind Benji now because he's TT. Yeah. He'll lose even more. He's two, nearly two minutes behind Rigoberto Uran, the revised GC. Pagacha, still with a 
pretty comfortable five minute and 18 second yep. lead on Rigoberto Uran. Mingogold 532, Carapaz 533, O'Connor drops to fifth, 558. Probably going to see that continue. Kelderman 616, Luchenko 630, Mars 711. But yeah, how did you feel as a Belgian, Benji, especially with that bet on? You got the flag on the background today with uh, Wafanart winning the Von 2 stage after such a tough Jumbo, uh, Tour de France for Jumbo Visma so far. Well, I think the most notable thing that I see from it is that you've got the Von 2, which is a climb with the gradient similar towards Tokyo, Mikuni Pass, the last climb in that race. And this shows that he can definitely take on that climb because it's a much shorter climb as well than the Vantu. So I think this is very promising towards the uh, Olympics and the road race there. And that's pretty cool. And next to that, like, yeah, obviously, I'm happy that Wout van Aert won the race. But um, I also want to throw it on a different side here. Do you think that Pogacar is going to be happy that, unlike Roglic last year, he decided to take the time early and take three minutes early to prevent days like today having an influence? Exactly. And, you know, he made a mistake maybe today that he, um, it doesn't even matter because you, you, when you feel good and he said, and he's right. Like when you read the article from his coach, uh, San Milan, and you look at the, the times they did on teen stage nine and the level that Pagacha is capable of as well as Rogic and also what you would expect from Carapaz, the, the, the times that they were doing in the Waspakil on team was not outrageous. So the investment from him to just take another 30 seconds without he looked pretty comfortable. If you can do it, why not? Uh, why not? Uh, and <laughs> yeah, he did. And now he's got a five minute 18 buffer. Now the TT, how do you predict that really? Getting so much in the TT and the on stage eight. But yeah, it's just, it is a lesson. If you, well, the counter argument, Benji, is oh, well, he invested so much that he was losing, that he was losing time or he's in trouble today. But when you lose time from the front and you have that buffer, there's always going to be someone that will pull you. And that's what we saw today. He basically has Carapaz and Uran closing a huge, you know, the gap for him, and he ends up losing nothing. So, yeah, I'd, I'd always rather have time gained than uh, having to yeah. make up the time. Exactly. Mars Benji, Movistar, surely at this point, you've got to say, Enric, love you, but you're <laughs> on your own. The other guys have got to get some freedom to get something out of this race because the team's classification as well is not looking good for them. Yeah, their main goal is not looking good. You're right. And uh, I think Lopez should go in breakaways and mountain stages. He can gain stuff there. But I also think that you shouldn't give up on, on Musk. He still needs to no, support no, no. to try and get that top five. Just not the whole team. Lutsenko can definitely still have a moment where he drops. Mars is usually growing towards the end of a ground tour, so that should help him. Yeah, I think that an O'Connor, if he continues climbing like today, he's likely going to drop out of top five as well. Yeah, And that is the ride you can pass as well. Then you're close towards top five and you only need one rider to collapse then to try and get into top five and prevent collapsing yourself, which is also a big if, looking at how Miles went today. But uh, all in all, I think that you shouldn't give up on him completely, but just like a Martin, for example, or a Bilbao, those riders have opportunities for their companions to go and breakaways exactly and they're still the f ninth and tenth yeah you're right even uh well and you can't say about astana <laughs> Jumbo visma they let a guy that you know if one yep. pulled today maybe Jonas does gain time but they were like you can't invest everything on maybe a podium yep. maybe a top five exactly. you need to also have other goals at the tour de france because you could be left yeah, but with not nothing. too much you got to try and balance it perfectly between yeah. the two so for example if van Aert and kus and Tunis were in the break today that's too much of the good you have sure. to have like a good balance between the two, a good support for Vingigar and a good opportunity in stages. And that's working out here, I think. So uh, 
That's pretty cool. I think that one thing we do need to mention is that Cavendish came on in time, came home. Yep. Um, and about that, he actually uh, did something pretty cool on the climb when they passed the uh, unfortunate spot where Tom Simpson passed away on the Mall Two. He took off his helmet mid race and saluted uh, the place where it happened. Let's hope you see I don't DQ him for it. But uh, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> that would be so harsh. <laughs> yeah, he finished in time. He's looking good. Buhani finished inside the time limit. Sorenkra Anderson finished inside the time limit solely because Valvanat posted up and lost a bit of time at the end. If he hadn't, maybe Sorenkra would have finished outside it. Uh, but it looks like Luke Rowe is outside the time limit. So the big losers of the day are obviously Ineos. <laughs> they paced um, all day and they've they got their own all ride day. <laughs> They paced on the flat. We don't know why. I mean, the break was at five <laughs> minutes and they weren't eating into it. They paced hard on the flat, didn't make any impression on the break, didn't attack with Carapaz and Luke Rose outside the time limit. And we've got some rolling sprint stages tomorrow where he's, a, you know, you, you can't underestimate how good and useful Luke Rowe is. And uh, I think it's a shame. But, yeah, he's outside the time limit. So probably out of the race. Should be out yeah, of the race. Yeah, but then again, I think their pacing would not have influenced Roe, right? Because No, but he was the one or, pacing. He, he was the one yeah, pulling yeah, true. he was tired. Yeah. That's the point. Yeah. They didn't they didn't make the race right. finish quicker, but he they made him pull um instead of sitting in. Because like normally Luke Rowe shouldn't have a problem if Cavendish can finish. Tomorrow's stage, 159k stage twelve a and you know, I, st- I like the breaks always in these sprint stages from Saint Paul, Trois, Chateau de Nîmes. It's a little bit rolly. This intermediate sprint is at the top of a short, punchy climb. I think you'll see uh, Cavendish might be able to do it. But the, the final climb of the day, 3.9K, 3%, and then there's a rolling ridge line afterwards. Surely the other teams are not going to help Quick Step Benji, and we should see FDJ, who have Godou now out and other teams really investing for the breakaway because if, if people just let them go to the line and sprint with Cavendish, apart from Arkea and Wafanart, who realistically have a chance of winning, and, and Philipson, all the other teams should be trying to get in the break, right, or putting pressure on quick step on that climb. Yeah, I think so as well, but I think that that's going to be hard on this stage. Do you think that it's enough to put pressure on it? I don't think you can really drop Cavendish, but yeah. I think all these rolling hills just make it more difficult yeah, okay. to control. Yeah. I think Van Moor is a great option tomorrow again. Keep mentioning him. And I'd, I'd really like to mm-hmm. see a lot of riders. They'll be tired, though. That's the, pro- the problem. Everyone's super tired. Yeah. But yeah, stage 13 is like, mm, a little, yeah, again, a bit rolly. So, I'd, yeah, I'd like to see more of a fight than in stage 10 to put pressure on quick step. I still think... If you're Alperson, get a guy in the break so that they have to use Asgren pulling back the break with the clerk so they can't set up with 1,500 to go with four guys and then you're absolutely toast. That's just my view on it. But, yeah, who do you who do you like for tomorrow, Benji? Cav equaling the record? I was going to say Wout uh, Fanard for the sprint. Um, but I kind of hope Van Moor wins. Just personal hope. I haven't looked at the weather, whether it's headwind or anything, so I can't tell you if the headwind will prevent the large breakaway of getting away or a difficult breakaway of getting away. I think that they're definitely going to try for Cavendish. If their lead out is perfect again, then it's going to be hard to beat them. But I think that it would be pretty chaotic and crazy if you win a, a sprint stage after winning a mountain <laughs> stage with the Morvon too. So I'm for Van Aert tomorrow. Yeah, I think Van Aert, I still think... 
Van Aert can definitely win. I think if, if Cavendish doesn't get dropped off with 140 metres to go, if it's not a perfect drop-off, then while Van Aert does have the speed, how today impacts his legs, I don't know, he's superhuman. I'm just looking at, I'm trying to see how technical the run-in is, Benji. You're more the master at this. But yeah, where the quick step lead out, how important it will be. It looks pretty... Oh, now there is a turn. There's a turn to the right-hand bend and then a roundabout right near the end, but the roundabout, they should be able to go straight through pretty fast. So, yeah, we'll see. Well, Vanada like as well. Maybe Jasper Phillips in to break it to duck. Okay, that's the recap of Stage 11, the big Mongol today. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Like it down below if you did. If you're listening on YouTube, we'll give us a review or a rating on podcast players. We'll see you with the recap tomorrow. Ciao. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.